Welcome back to the Better Than Yesterday podcast. I'm your host, Angelo Kelly. On this week's episode of the show, I'm excited to bring you guys Sean Kelly Quinn. He is a peak performance coach and the director of mental conditioning at the Moad Consulting Group. Guys, anytime I get the chance to sit down and pick the brain of an elite athlete or coach, it's always an opportunity that I'm going to jump at. So it was no different with Sean. I decided we're going to take the interview a little bit different this week and just jump right into it. Let's just hit record and see where we go. So the first thing we got into was the last dance, uh, how Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. So don't you hate on me, you LeBron lovers out there. But we got into how he views that series as a mental conditioning coach and then just hopped into his background, talk about sports psychology in the field. So I hope you guys enjoy this one. I know you're going to dig it. So let's send it over to Sean. Yeah, so we're we're talking a little bit uh, the last dance. What have your thoughts on the first eight episodes been? Yeah, I think it's been great. I think uh, you know it's been a great insight to Michael Jordan and and his competitiveness, but also the mentality of a champion. And and looking at that, um, you know, a lot of younger people heard the name, heard the Jordan brand, but didn't really know what kind of fierce competitor he was. And uh, I mean, you know, not only was he amazing, but uh, you know, he brought the most out of his teammates. And, um, you know, sometimes it was, it was a hard task. Sometimes it was a task where, um, you know, he pushed them to a limit. But, you know, um, he won six championships and so did his team. So um, something worked there. But, you know, he led them to to uh, to kind of rise above um, and not have a ceiling, which was uh, something that elite competitors, elite, you know, people do. Mm-hmm. Were you watching, like, as closely – to the Bulls during this time, or were you a little bit younger? Like, how I was, close were I, I you? Was a, I was a massive Jordan fan. Okay. A massive Jordan fan, yeah. yeah. Jordan was my favorite player growing up as a kid. So, uh, for me to kind of see the inside behind the scenes um, just makes it that much better. Um, you know, and, and seeing the tenacity and, and really, um, you, you know, just just understanding what it takes. Um, obviously, there's, you know, there's there's some low lights of that. You know, you, you see kind of some – some of his teammates, you know, talking about frustrating it, it would be at certain times, but um, knowing they had, you know, his best interest or, you know, the team's best interest at heart. Um, you know, one of the other things was, was, you know, I think kind of at the end of, I want to say episode eight, um, they were talking about, you know, Jordan was talking about, look, you know, he was, he was fierce, but he didn't ask his teammates to do anything that he wouldn't do. Um, you know, he was, he was out there busting his ass doing what he needed to do just as well as he was demanding that from his teammates. And I think you saw that, you know, around the team, how the team excelled uh, in certain moments because they knew that Jordan has back. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's cool because I didn't get to see it. So this was like, I was four years old during the last season. So I didn't get to see his greatness like up close, but just like, he's just an absolute killer. And it's insane. Like, the motivation he talks about where, you know, one guy doesn't say hello to him, the coach, and then he that's all he needs. It's crazy to think about, like, how competitive and how much drive he had just from pulling one thing out. Yeah, it's kind of finding that chip on your shoulder, you know, and and, and finding some way, something that can, can drive you, right, motivate you. Mm-hmm. And one slight, you know, they, they, had to, they told a story about the Bradford Smith for instance, and, and saying that, you know, he, he put his arm around Mike and said good game or something like that's Rick year. And um, Jordan came back and torched him the next game. Uh, they had played a back-to-back and came back and said, well, I'm going to put up 36, 37 in the first in the first half and does it. But 
um, you know, it, it was it was then said after that that was never that was never never happened. But if it did or didn't happen, it's how Jordan motivates himself. And you know, I think that elite competitors all have a chip on their shoulder, or somewhere, somehow, someone told them they couldn't do it. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at a Tom Brady, you know, um, there was you know years back in you know thirteen and fourteen where they were saying that hey, the dynasty's over, um, and and it's and it's done. But um, looking at that, I mean, that just fuels their fire rather than sit there and say, yeah, you know what, you're right. So it makes them work harder, but it also, you know, gets them focused in this laser lock mentality where it's like, hey, look, um, you don't think I'm good enough? I'm going to show you because I'm prepared, I'm confident, and I'm ready, Um, which is all, you know, three aspects that are super important when you have to go out there and compete on an elite stage. Do you think, like, you have – I don't think – what I'm trying to ask is, like, do you think you have to be a dick to be – the best athlete possible or do you think he kind of pushed those boundaries a little bit too much maybe well you know it's it's a good question because i think that you know all leaders lead in different ways um Mm -hmm. i think you have to know who to push and how to push them everyone everyone can be pushed in different ways um you know i think there was a good moment where in the early 90s they were talking about uh horace grant and they're talking about scotty pippen and talking about how Horace Grant needed kind of that kick in his ass mm-hmm. and, you know, needed to kind of be told, hey, look, this is what you need to do and you need to calm down and not let these fouls kind of take over your game because that's what they're trying to do mm-hmm. and you know, create anger and frustration, which will take you out of what you're trying to do. And a guy like Pippen, where Pippen just needed to know that they had his back, mm-hmm. right? And so um, once he knew he had the support of his teammates, um, you know, he would, he would go the extra mile. And um, so you have to know your teammates. You have to know, you know who can take it, who can't, because you don't necessarily want to push someone to, to an edge where, you know, all of a sudden they're, um, they're redlining and, and they can't deal with it. I mean, even Steve Kerr talked about it, you know, in the, in the latest one um, where he talked about kind of him. It, it, he's calm, but if you push him to, to, to a breaking point, he'll break. Yeah. And he'll break to a point where he'll get angry and he'll get frustrated. And he's a competitor. He wants to win. But, you know, him and Jordan in a you know, preseason scuffle um, led to a better relationship. And so um, I think Jordan just wanted what's best for his teammates. And if it's authentic and genuine, um, you know, I think you may not like it, but you'll respect it because you know that he's trying to get the most out of you. Yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting. I asked the question because we talk about it at my gym. So I compete in Olympic weightlifting right now. It's a very individualized sport. but you see the best competitors have that edge. And I don't know where it comes from exactly. You might think if you're not as good or you're not as talented, you might think that they are an asshole or they are self-centered or they are cocky. But I think it's a completely different thing. It's that drive. It's that inner motivation that they know they put in absolutely everything that they needed to do before that game or that competition and that might come out, it might rub you the wrong way, but I think all the best athletes that I have seen have had that. Yeah, you have to see where it's coming from. Um, is it authentic? Is it genuine? It, it, are, they, are they following through with the tasks? You know, like I said, Jordan, Jordan mentioned that, look, what he's asking for, it's nothing, nothing different than he asked for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he's missed shots, he's made mistakes, he's had errors. But, you know, what's he do the next day to make sure that he's, in, he's preparing um, and he's preparing the right way? Um, I think even looking at the baseball example um, and looking at the fact that, you know, he went and played baseball and, you know, they're talking about his work ethic. 
and you know they had they had a clip where uh, you you know he asked what time you know what time are you going to go to the cage? This is seven thirty a.m. He said I'll be there, you know, and he's he's going to the cage twice a day, trying to get better, trying to hone his craft. He knew he wasn't good enough, mm-hmm. you know, at that time, but it didn't stop him from trying to do what he needed to do to kind of get on that stage and get to where he needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think that's that's something else is the elite competitors have an elite plan, but they adhere to it, right? Mm-hmm. And they hold themselves accountable. And so they know if they're, if they're not good enough, they're going to keep striving and driving to be better. But um, good's the enemy of great. And if they're, if they're, you know, if they're doing well, they're still not satisfied. They're trying to find another mountain to climb or trying to push themselves to, to get better um, because they know that someone's chased them. And, you know, I, I think um, you, you would see that in, you know, in Kobe and in, in, in his, in his legacy, um, you see it in a Tom Brady, you see it in a, you know, a Drew Brees, you, you look at him, um, the way he works, he still, you know, is working on footwork at 41 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you see this Michael Jordan, you know, documentary, but elite athletes, you know, aren't, aren't satisfied and they have that competitive nature that drives them um, mm-hmm. and, and just says, Hey, look, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be on top of the mountain and I'm going to stay here for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's a good segue to get into just your background as a sports psychologist. So you're working with a lot of elite athletes on their mindset. What got you started into that? Like how this is a field that, that hasn't been around, I would say for too long. So what gets you started in sports psychology? Yeah. You know, I always had a passion for, um, for sport. I, I grew up, you know, watching, playing um just about everything imaginable and yeah I, I grew up in the in the jordan era so watching him compete was always you know for me it was always uh, you know fascinating to see why he always kind of got it done um you know i can remember the the joe montana days watching him get it done you know it was joe cool under pressure um and and i always had kind of a passion for helping people as well and so you know, I, I, why do people do what they do um, was, was, was kind of a question that's an age-old question that can never be answered, but it kind of fascinated me. And so mm-hmm. um, got my undergrad in human development um, at UC Davis and uh, knew that I couldn't, you know, get by with just that. It's, it's, it's a psychology degree, but, um, you know, you can't really do much with an undergrad in psychology. So um, was, was fortunate to find a school that was near, near where I live. In Northern California, JFK University, and they had a sports psychology program. And so it was a graduate program, um, found it and, you know, um, really looked, uh, you know, looked into it and, and, and thought, hey, this is a career I can really do. Um, and so once I got into it, man, I just fell in love with it. And, uh, you know, the rest is history, really. What do you think the biggest change has been since uh, throughout your career, like as far as working with athletes? What do you think? What's completely different than when you started? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think, you know, had I gotten into it, you know, 10 years prior, they'd say just the more acceptance. Mm-hmm. But, you know, since I've been in it, athletes have been pretty receptive and, and, and accepting. Um, you know, they they don't just reach out because they're, quote unquote, sick. Um, they want to get better. Yeah. You know, they, they want to improve their mental mindset. And, you know, I work in sport, but I also work in business. Um, I help individuals, you know, just, just helping themselves achieve goals, but, you know, they, they realize that there's a mental, you know, strength that needs to be developed. And so in developing that, um, you know, we formulate plans, but also know that, look, um, you know, it's only a mistake if we don't learn from it. And if we can learn from something, um, it becomes experience, becomes growth. 
And so how are we taking something, a situation that may have been adverse or, you know, we may have had trouble through it, but, you know, not necessarily spin it as a positive, but spin it as here's what we can do to kind of improve next time we're, we're faced with a similar dilemma. Um, and, and so always learning from a missed shot, you know, a strikeout, um, uh, a missed opportunity. So that next time you, you're faced with that situation, you're not dwelling on the past, but you're mm-hmm. saying, hey, I, I, I've, I've, I've adjusted, I've adapted. And because of that, it's made me better. Yeah. And we were talking a little bit last week about neutral thinking. And uh, can you just give a definition for that? Yeah, neutral thinking is, is more or less, um, you, you know, I think a lot in the psychology world, a lot of people talk about being positive. And, uh, you know, I feel like it's tough to be positive all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's real. Um, you, you know, and, and when a situation comes up and it doesn't go your way, um, you know, it's tough to be really positive. You know, you're not going to you're going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy I went 0 for 4 today and, and, you know, left five guys on base and, or through, you know, three interceptions. But the big thing is, is that you can't be negative. Um, you know, a lot of people get negative and they're competitors. They want to succeed. But if you go down this negative route where all of a sudden you find yourself, you know, beating yourself up, um, you know, just, you know, telling yourself these, these, these things that if your best friend said it, you'd be pretty upset with them. They probably wouldn't be your best friend again in it for much longer. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, you know, uh, just, just really kind of, you know, hammering yourself on, on, on mistakes that you make um, because those, that carries on. But there's this neutral ground, this middle ground that we need to kind of think about. And that's just what's important now. And meaning that, you know, yes, I struck out my first two at-bats. What's important right now is I need to come up to, to the plate with my same routine, same approach, knowing that I'm prepared, I'm ready, and that, you know, each pitch has a life and death of its own. Um, yes, I just threw an interception, but, you know, I have a whole new set of downs coming up. I can't let the past dictate my future. I've got to live in the now, live in the present, and focus on what's important. Um, and, and that's got to be this this next drive. And if you look at the elite competitors, if you look at the best of the best, um, they, they're going to miss shots. They're going to make mistakes. But it's how they rebound from that. Um, you know, it's it's the 20 to 3 moments where, you know, you're in the Super Bowl and all of a sudden you got 18 minutes to go and you're telling your teammates, hey, we're, we're going to, you know, we're going to keep fighting. And we're going to go out there, but we need to make a first, you know, we, we've got to get the first down here. Um, and, you, and you all of a sudden, you know, shift the momentum. Um, it, it's the moments where, where you're down, but you, you know, you're not overly positive. You're just believing about the now, mm-hmm. right here, right now, the, the middle ground that's important rather than, man, we're getting our ass kicked and maybe today is not our day. And then giving up and checking out early. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's what we need to avoid. We need to avoid going home, taking that home with us. Um, coming back the next day with that same kind of, you know, doubt in the you know, dark cloud overhead and saying, hey, look, this is what we need to do to kind of prepare ourselves. Let's go out there and, and come up with a, you know, elite mindset and, uh, you know, try and uh, try and succeed. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think neutral thinking, it takes, you know, you have to be prepared and you have to know that you put in the work. I think a lot of people, you know, where you get into that, people want to think positive and, you know, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to do great today. I'm going to go four for four. And it's like, dude, you didn't even hit in the cage. Like you didn't show up before batting practice. So I feel like that positive mindset sometimes that's it's fake. Like from my experience with it, the neutral mindset is where you can get into that, where I put in the work. This is the situation. Yesterday I struck out three times, but today I did the work. I stuck to my process and I'm going to succeed today. You know? Yeah, and it's not overdoing it too. It's not coming back the next day and, and, and trying to find yourself. 
right? Mm -hmm. So I do, you know, I, 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 the preparation is huge, right? When we say the separations and the preparation, how you prepare, mm -hmm. but it's not, um, it's not feeling like, oh man, the sky's falling and all of a sudden I've got to like go find myself because um, I had a bad day. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, it's learning from those days. Hey, maybe I was, you know, a little aggressive at the plate. Um, maybe I took some, you know, I, I took some risks on the golf course or, you know, I, I, I didn't sell a fake well enough as a football player. Right. And so learning and adapting and adjusting is going to be important, but making sure, like you said, putting in the work the next day, going, going out there, getting your cage work in, um, you know, having a good VP, having a good approach, um, as opposed to tinkering with mechanics and, and technique when that might not be really the case may just be you know something that's a subtle tweak to your mindset where you're going to come back out there and you're not going to be stressing over things we can't control um you know as we've talked about um at elite at elite level milliseconds matter and you know if, if you're going to be up there tight and, and tense because you're worried about you know not making a mistake um you know that's going to be the difference between maybe getting a hit and maybe not mm -hmm. um you know if i you know sit there and tell you don't strike out don't strike out What's the image that's creating that's your mind? That's the only thing you're thinking about. You know, and the image, yeah, and the image that's created is is the ball Stranger. going by you, yeah. right? As opposed to let's let's barrel this up and let's put it in play. Mm -hmm. And so let's think about what we want to do as opposed to what we don't want to do, um, because those images that of, of those our our brains have processed the word don't can't and won't. And so, um, you know, when we say don't strike out, I can't hit in a double play, um, mm -hmm. I won't do this, right? those are images that are conveyed into our mind. And when we see those images, you know, we're trying to, to combat that, but that creates tension. And mm -hmm. so it's making sure that um, we're, we're decreasing that tension. We're thinking about what we want to do here as opposed to what we don't want to do. Yeah. I find it crazy that like more colleges haven't bought into this. Like when I was talking to you, like I discovered mental conditioning or psychology, whatever you want to call it. Yep. My junior year, I had, I had literally no idea why I was successful. I just thought, you know, like I'm talented at baseball. Mm -hmm. And when I was, when I was not doing well, when I was in a slump, you know, I thought I suck at baseball. Yeah. Like, where do you see sports psychology going in the future? Do you think this is something that's going to be at every university at every college sport? You know, it's at, it's at universities. It's at bigger programs. Um, mm -hmm. you know, as far as, uh, individual sports so uh for football for instance you know schools have it um and and there's some schools that will try and couple it with their uh clinical psychology department mm -hmm. so you know I, I work more in peak performance i'm not a sports psychologist um the, the term psychology is more of a uh, is a clinical term um so mental conditioning peak performance um is it, kind of that the avenue i'm at now i have a mastery in sport psychology um i'm a you know a certified consultant for the association for applied sports psychology mm -hmm. but you know i work in performance and so um you know there's certain programs that can afford you know, having the luxury of having us but um you know i have individuals you know from an elite high school age that that i work with to college to professional mm -hmm. and so i think parents are starting to see that that's an important aspect to to incorporate just like you have a pitching coach, just like you have a hitting coach, you have a golf instructor, you have a, a quarterback coach, you know, as a kid, um, you know, sports psychology, mental conditioning is starting to be a field where, you know, they're trying to look out for, you know, people and, and find experts that can help them in their, and, and, you know, help their children. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's becoming more widely accepted across the board. But um, in, in college, I think that, you know, um, people try and programs try and mimic each other. Mm -hmm. So, 
um, you know, Coach Saban worked with, uh, you know, a guy I've been working with for the last six years, mentor of mine, uh, Trevor Maud. And uh, Trevor worked with, with Coach Saban with the Dolphins um, and went with him with Alabama. And they developed, a, you know, a program there that was, you know, pretty solid, I have to say, um, just looking at their, you know, their resume. Um, a lot of coaches left Alabama um, to start their own programs, and they, they've, you know, been around this, you know, mental conditioning um, aspect of it. And they say, hey, we want to incorporate that too. So I think the more that you start seeing stuff like that, you know, people branching off, going to get jobs at other programs, you're going to start seeing them incorporating the mental skills as well. But, yeah, I definitely think that it's a growing field, um, mm-hmm. but still it's still in cracks. So, um, you know, pe- people know it. Um, and, and like you said, as, as a baseball player for yourself, you, you, you didn't, you know, really learn about it until, um, you know, your junior season, but you're probably doing a lot of things, right. You just didn't know what you're doing. Right. And so what I want to do, what I try to do with my athletes, especially the elite ones is give them the self-awareness of what you're doing correctly. So mm-hmm. we can continue doing that, but also let's step away from the things that are might be detrimental to our performance so that we're not, you know, going down that path. If, um, you know, if we're struggling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of things you talk about are negative thoughts. So like, mm-hmm. how do we get rid of the negative thoughts? Because everyone listening knows like constantly we're thinking about the negative thing, whether it's on the field, whether it's, you know, at, at a company, what mistakes you made, what, uh, you know, the numbers you yeah. didn't hit, we're always thinking about that. So how do we, you know, reshape those negative thoughts into more neutral thoughts, you think? So, 80% of our thoughts are negative. That's, that's just from a subconscious to conscious level. It's what research says. Um, and, and that's, and break that down to you. If I'm driving my car and I see a stop sign, I'm going to tell myself to slow down and stop. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I'm walking to, into a room, see a door, I'm going to say, okay, you know, stop walking, open the door. Mm-hmm. That's not a negative thought that hinders my performance. The ones that do are the ones that are the self doubt, right? Can I achieve, can I, I'm going against a tough pitcher today. Can I get a hit? Mm-hmm. Um, man, this is another tough matchup, you know, on the golf course and match play, you know, I'm gonna have to play my A game. You know, these things where you doubt yourself. And so it's, it's becoming self-aware uh, of the thoughts and knowing that I can't control what someone else is doing. I can control myself. I can control my preparation, my actions, but you know, I've got to more or less go out there and do what I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so the first, you know, the, the first step is, is becoming aware of your thoughts. The second step is making the change. So the same way that I kind of gave you the example of uh, a baseball player saying, you know, don't, can't, won't, like don't strike out. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do there? What are you trying to do? So what's the objective? And let's focus on that as opposed to what we can't do, um, you know, and, and make it realistic. You know, don't go up there and say, well, I want to hit a bomb here. You know, okay, don't try and overachieve. Let's try and think about the little things. Let's barrel this up. Let's hit mm-hmm. a fairway. Let's complete a pass, Right. Um, let's do the little things right as opposed to, you know, thinking about the big things that um, maybe not, may not be realistic in the moment, but maybe have you over try and overdo it and then, you know, get out of your, get out of your, um, your comfort zone as well. Mm-hmm. So um, recognizing your thoughts is important, but then how do we make that shift to the neutral rather than the overly positive, the things that, you know, we might be BSing ourselves with. Yeah. Yeah. And as you were talking, I was going back to, you know, like the shift from, from when I first discovered this stuff, my sophomore year, you know, I could have hit a laser back to the pitcher and it gets caught and, you know, I'm freaking out. Cause I'm, cause I'm out. Like I, I did not succeed in that at bat. And then come junior year, when I'm reshifting that, 
when I get a hit and it's like, you know, a dribbler between the first and second basin, I know that's not, I, I mean, the success, the outcome was what I wanted, but what I did, like my swing, my process might've not been the greatest thing, but when I do barrel something up and it gets caught, you know, I'm not throwing my helmet, you know, I'm just thinking that was a successful at bat, even though it doesn't show up in the box score and I can build on that and bring that into my next at bat. Definitely. Definitely. We focus, uh, you know, a lot with my MLB guys, we focus a lot on quality of bats. Quality of bats are massive mm -hmm. and we have a criteria for that. Um, you know, seven plus pitches, barreled up balls, moving guys over walks, um, situational things, obviously hits, but, um, and looking at that, like, you know, you can't control certain moments, you know, baseball mm -hmm. is, you know, notoriously, you know, the, the old adage is, you know, seven out of 10 times you're going to fail, yeah. you know, three out of 10 times you've had success, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be up there for a long time and you're going to have to cheer that pretty good career. Um, but with that being said, how are you evaluating each at bat? And if you hit a laser back to the pitcher and he catches it, I mean, that's something that you can't control. But if you do that, you know, 10 times, you know, 10 out of 10 times, you're going to get a lot of base knocks. Yeah. Um, and so it's focusing on what, on what you need to do. And if you have the right approach each time, then what's going to happen is, is that you're going to start finding holes rather than starting to dwell on outcomes, starting to say, well, I'm, Oh, for my six, you know, I need to get a hit here. Well, you want to get a hit every time. So why is that changed from being mm -hmm. five for six? Um, but what's your approach? You know, how are you evaluating your at bats? How are you sitting there thinking about, Hey, look, this is something that, um, I am doing the right things. I am hitting the ball in play. I'm getting a little bit unlucky, but I know if I stick to this, I'm going to start finding holes. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start finding, you know, finding gaps and start having success. And so not giving up on your plan based on outcomes that, you know, can be sheer luck from time to time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I do have a, a decent amount of listeners who, who are not athletes, who are, you know, yeah. just regular adults. So how are you translating this into, you know, the business sector or just people at home? Like, especially during this time right now, how can people avoid those negative thoughts and shift to neutral thoughts during quarantine? Like what we're facing all right now. Yeah, we got to control what we can control. And unfortunately, in this moment right now, right, there's there's only so much we can do. Our everyday life has kind of changed a little bit. Um, you know, there's there's certain places in the country that are stay at home. There's certain places that are opening up. Mm -hmm. But with that being said, um, you know, our routines have changed. And so instead of dwelling on why I can't do this or why the weather's beautiful and I'm not allowed to do this or this, this, and this, or um, the unfortunate events of, you know, being you know scared to catch this virus right mm -hmm. or, or certain things that may come up let's focus on what we can do um you know people are finding ways to to get around you know certain things with with zoom meetings right mm -hmm. i don't need to go in the office i can work from home restaurants are adjusting and adapting menus so how am i adjusting to the times how am i adjusting my mindset so that instead of dwelling on the negative which you know it's 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 real it's, it's negative and we all have to deal with it yeah. let's focus on what i can do rather than what i can't do um, you know, I can enjoy my backyard. I can, you know, have more time to, to, you know, play with my kids. I have more time to get things done and set plans together, um, and, and, and execute certain things, but I need to learn how to adjust and adapt as opposed to living in the negative of, well, my whole life is turned upside down. I can't do what I want to do. And, you know, this sucks. And, you know, just dwelling on that as opposed to what we can do. Yeah. What, have you done personally like what have you changed throughout your routine that that has definitely had a positive effect on you right now yeah i mean i think for me it's it's a lot of just you know 
being able to, a lot of my business is on, is on the phone as it is, mm -hmm. uh, just with, with clients throughout the country, but making sure I'm reaching out, making sure I'm talking to them during this time, seeing how they're, you know, it's not performance based, but how their well being is. Mm -hmm. um, on top of that, you know, enjoying the backyard, enjoying, you know, good weather and enjoying certain, you know, just, just moments where I can kind of, you know, slow myself down a little bit and just appreciate life. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the things that's going on right now is that, you know, we're having more appreciation because that fast paced life we've been living for, you know, since you know, iPhones and, and everything have been around is slowing down a little bit more. Yeah. And so you can, you can go outside, you know, in your backyard or whatever that may be, you can kind of relax and reflect and think about what you want to do as opposed to, man, I've got this, I've got so many emails tomorrow. I've got to get this done. I've got to go in the office. I've got to do this, this, and this, and take a step back and just kind of reflect and, and, and see what you want to do. So mm -hmm. I've been able to do a lot of that, uh, for myself, which has been great. Um, and then on top of that, um, you know, really just, just, just checking in, um, you know, helping out my family, but also helping out my clients the best I can to be there for them, um, during this kind of time of uncertainty. Yeah, that's awesome. I think a, a lot of people, it's, um, it's definitely tough, but people are starting to realize that, you know, if, if you do have that brick and mortar shop, it's like, this isn't all you can do right now. So what you're doing with over the phone, like operating your business is, is I think the way of the future now, like now we can see that everyone's on zoom, everyone's over the phone now. Yeah. I mean, six months ago, you know, no one really knew what zoom was. Right. Yeah, so exactly. uh, I mean, now it's, you know, it was like Skype and Google hangout, but now Zoom's kind of the buzzword, but looking at that, it's something that people have adjusted and adapted, right. They found a way to, to get work done mm -hmm. um, even though they may not be in the office. And so, it's adjusting and adapting. What can I do just because I don't have this doesn't mean that I can't do this. Let's find a detour. Let's find a different path to get there. You know, just because this, this street's closed doesn't mean I still can't get to that end destination. You know, how do I reroute it and get there by, by a different route as mm -hmm. opposed to being frustrated because this road's closed and saying, well, I give up. I'm not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to go home. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely been sweet. Like, just interacting with, with people like yourself and, and a lot of the people in my weightlifting community are lifting at home. And it's like everyone just doing the best with what they have. Like, you know, the first week it might've been like, Oh, this sucks. I can't max out. Like I got to yeah. drop weights. It, it, you know, it, it could go through the wall or whatever, but people are just, I think what I've learned is people are just really adept to overcome things. Like, this in the beginning, it was like, you didn't know what to do. It was like panic. Mm -hmm. Everyone's like, what the world is shut down. But it's like, no, there, there's a lot of opportunities here. And it, I completely agree. Elite people find a way, mm -hmm. right? They find a way to get it done. They'll find a way to do it. They'll find that detour. And you can either sit and sulk and say, well, you know, this whole thing is terrible. My, my whole world's upside down. I can't do anything. Or you find a way, you know? And, and I think that's, that's kind of, some messaging from the last dance that's the messaging of you know the elite competitors like a tom brady the elite people in business you find a way to adjust mm -hmm. right just because something's not going your way right now how do i find a way to get it done mm -hmm. and 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 i think that's where looking at you know sport is a metaphor for life you know the, the reason why people look at sport so much is because they're being judged 24 7 did he succeed did he fail what happened how do he answer the call um, you know, how did she, you know, rebound from that mistake the next game uh, or, or, you know, the, the next event. And so it's looking at that and saying, well, you know, that's something that, you know, that that's that's crazy how this person is so clutch. But 
what is clutch? How do they rebound? And how do they adjust? How do they adapt in certain moments? And I think that that's, that's what, if we can kind of incorporate that into our lives, um, especially right now with, again, an adverse situation, then we can find ourselves you know, getting through it much easier as opposed to sitting and sulking and saying, today's not my day. You know, I suck, mm-hmm. you know, and beating yourself up over this because, you know, the situation has got control over you rather than you controlling the situation. Hell yeah. Yeah. Damn. I love that. So uh, where can people find you if they want to support your journey, support what you got going on? Yeah. You know, I, I have a Twitter account where I'll just, you know, kind of tweet out just different articles and things on those lines that I find kind of, mm-hmm. um, you know, just, uh, just, just interesting, worthy um, of elite competitors. So uh, it's S Q U I double N two, three. Um, you know, I have Instagram, but I don't, I just started it. I don't really use it too, too much. Okay. Um you know, and so I work with uh, Moab Consulting Group. So if you guys want to check that out, um, feel free to shoot me a line over there. Um, so my email address is Sean at Moab Consulting Group. But uh, but yeah, you know, I, I I try and help out people the best I can day to day. It doesn't matter if you're, uh, you know, a high school collegiate uh, professional athlete or just, you know, working in business or an everyday person that wants to get better. Um, you know, I think we can all improve our, our daily life and that I said, I kind of live by that model that good is the immediate great. So stop trying to be, you know, stop, stop being satisfied with being good and start striving to be great. Um, you know, how do I keep pushing myself and pushing the envelope to become great? Boom. Well, thanks for coming on, brother. I really appreciate your time today. Angela, appreciate it, man. It was a pleasure. Um, hope the best for you and then your listeners. And uh, let me know if I can be a resource for anybody. Once again, thanks so much to Sean for coming on the show. I really appreciated his time and perspective on things. I'm glad I got to sit down and just chat with him. So if you guys have any questions for him or want to reach out, I will link his email in the show notes so you can head right over there, ask him whatever you need, or if you want to work with him, feel free. So if you guys like the show, make sure to give it a five-star rating on iTunes. That would literally mean the world to me if you could just give it a five-star rating. And it'd be even better if you could give it a review. Just say a couple lines what you liked about the show. Even if you want to say great podcast, I would appreciate that so much. And anytime you guys do anything to share it out, put it on your Instagram story or Facebook. It just, it's such an awesome feeling and I just appreciate it so much. So if you guys could continue to do that every time a new episode drops that you like, make sure to share it, Instagram, Facebook. I don't have Twitter, but go ahead, share it out on Twitter. Um... Yeah, just thank you guys so much. I appreciate you tuning in every week. I've been getting more and more feedback. So I'm excited to keep bringing great guests on the show and just uh, just learning myself. This is literally what I started this podcast to do is just learn. And I'm glad you guys are learning along with me. So I will talk to you guys next week. Take care.